This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The human brain is nourished beyond oxygen and glucose with love with a capital L. Love is a commitment, a connection with oneself and with other people, with society and the planet as a whole. Love overcomes fears, complaints, and boredom. Valeria Tellez interviews Silvia Damiano, the author of Brain-Friendly Leadership, The Nine Habits of a Future Fit Mind. Sylvia's scientific background and curiosity about the human brain led her to a decade-long journey of research into optimal brain functioning and the application of neuroscience in leadership and daily life. Her past and current roles have uniquely prepared her for the current undertaking, that of leadership activist and change agent. Sylvia Damiano founded the About My Brain Institute in 2009 with the purpose of democratizing leadership and neuroscience. She has a passionately held belief that leaders in our 21st century global economy and their organizations must radically change long-held ideas of what constitutes effective leadership. In her groundbreaking book, Leadership is Upside Down, and the 2018 documentary, Make Me a Leader, Sylvia provides both compelling evidence and explores the importance of leadership in our personal and professional lives and what it takes to develop the human behind the leader. Sylvia has worked in different countries across many industries, helping teams and organizations improve business performance. Sylvia's clients have described her as a passionate, dynamic, a highly experienced speaker and master facilitator on the topics of emotional intelligence, cultural change, neuroleadership, and engagement. Meet Sylvia at aboutmybrain.com. Here's the interview with Sylvia Damiano. In your own words, who is Silvia Damiano? Hello, Valeria. And uh, I am a person who loves to learn and uh, I love to teach as well. I've been teaching since I was 16 years of age. So I have discovered very early in my life that my purpose is actually teaching. That is amazing. When you're 10 years old, Silvia? When I was 16. Oh, 16. Right, right. I couldn't yes. hear that part. So what were you teaching then at 16? Um, well, my mom had sent me to learn uh, English from a very young age since I was six. So by that time, when I was 16, I was able to speak English quite well, even though I, I, I have an accent because uh, I didn't grow up in a Spanish speaking, in an English speaking country. Um, and uh, yeah, I taught for 10 years until I got married and I went to live to the south of Argentina, where I was, where I'm from. That is amazing how our life becomes so much more exciting when we continue to learn, right? Expanding, kind of That's right. learning That's different right. cultures, anything that, that has to do with learning. I love that. And it keeps the brain young and uh, enthusiastic. <laughs> right. I absolutely agree. Because we already talk in, in a way about purpose, you just mentioned that word, let me ask you a few questions about that. Let me ask you first an open question, a big picture question. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? 
Um, I mean, who knows? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my answer. Like, we don't know uh, why we're here, what we are here to do. But um, after uh, 12 years ago, I suffered from depression, uh, quite severe. Uh, there were a lot of things happening around in my life, from divorce to losing many things. And it sent me in a spiral down. And uh, it was a very painful period of my life, which I don't wish it to anyone. Uh, and um, I, when I got out of that, I thought that uh, definitely the purpose the rem- of my remaining life is to enjoy and to have fun with the things I do. Um, because uh, even if we can't find out what's the purpose of our existence, we need to have a good time while we are here. And I think that's very important to remember. I love that message. Yes, a billion times to that. Recognizing that life is so precious that we are here now. So why not to enjoy what we have? That's a beautiful message. Thank you. I have experienced depression too for a long time. I think I have been depressed for many years. How did you get out of depression, Sylvia? Well, as I mentioned, I'm a keen learner, so I could not believe that someone that is extremely active and, you know, on the go and driven um, was suffering of this. It's like, because at the end of the day, depression is only um, the symptoms of something that um, is deeper. So in my case, I'm a very healthy person. I've never taken drugs. I don't drink, I don't smoke. And uh, there wasn't any anything um related to what I was doing that led me to depression. But it was more of a spiritual thing. Like suddenly you are a wife, you're a mother for 25 years, and uh, you realize that your role has shifted completely and you have to reinvent yourself. So that was the moment of my reinvention. And all the things I have produced work-wise and, and in terms of my children as well, um, actually has been the best after the divorce, the best in my life. Not that I haven't done anything before. I did a lot of things before, but I, I feel more accomplished um, for this reinvention that I, that I endure. Do you have any spiritual belief systems or practices, ideas, Sylvia? I um, was raised uh, Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. I come from Buenos Aires, Argentina, where, you know, 90% of the population is Catholic. And... um, My father had been in the Spanish Civil War, uh, so he was Spanish, and uh, he had seen so many things against Catholicism at the time that he was very skeptical when he migrated to South America, met my mother, and decided to stay there. So even though I was going to a Catholic school, like we, you know, we didn't go to church. I had to go to mass uh, because of the school. But, you know, my my father didn't um, support the idea too much. So I I became quite skeptical as well of everything. And with time, I got out of the school. I finished my primary school and uh, I became quite uh, agnostic, if you want to call it that way. Um, But I do believe uh, that we are held by this invisible force, whatever you decide to call it, that, you know, pushes us in certain directions. Sometimes I think that Uh, We decide what we want and we go for it. But sometimes uh, in my life, when I look back, some things didn't work out the way I wanted, even though I uh, did affirmations or I did visualizations. And suddenly certain things did happen that I didn't expect to happen. So I couldn't say now, uh, you know, when people are in their 20s or 30s, um, they they put a lot of emphasis in wishing what they want and, you know, some things will come up, but some others won't. And I think we have to accept that and, you know, figure out bit by bit uh, where life is taking us and, you know, put the effort in what we want anyway, because Mm -hmm. putting the effort gives us that sense of purpose. And with that in mind, again, going back to the topic, how do we find our purpose and how do we know even when we are living the purpose? I know that this is a theme in one of your books, uh, Brain Friendly Leadership, The Nine Habits of a Future Fit Mind. That's the first habit, actually, activate your mm-hmm. purpose. So talk to me for a moment about that, Sylvia. 
Okay, so um, one of the things, um, I'm a scientist. Uh, however, I like to visit from time to time uh, people who are more spiritual and uh, or they do astrology. And I remember like 10 years ago, I visited a Serbian astrologer, uh, astrologist, and um, she said to me, um, you are one of the few people I know that um, you have your purpose so clear. And I go, Really? <laughs> I, I, and she said, well, look, I, I talk to many, many people. I also advise businesses and um, most people do not have a clear purpose. And of course, because I don't do that work, I'm not exposed to what other people do or don't do. Um, and it, it really surprised me. Um, and uh, I think that uh, it is important to reflect on what drives you, what gets you out of bed, uh, because life is like um, a three-legged stool. So you need to have a purpose, something that gets you out of bed. You have to have an aspiration or a dream, and you need to have affection, even if it's a dog or a cat, uh, because you can't find your ideal partner. Uh, we need to be able to give affection and receive affection. So when one of these three legs is missing, uh, the stool is not stable and our minds are not stable. So if you are one of those people who think I don't have a purpose in life, uh, fake it until you make it or make it up. There's always something to do to learn, to help others. And when you don't have, um, you know, this idea that there's something you want to do in particularly, because people usually think of purpose in in relation to something you need to do or to become, um, it's, it's best to use your time to help people in need because there's always someone that needs help, always. Go to a hospital, read a book to a child, um, you know, deliver food to people who need food, um, you know, and you will find, um, you know, the, the reason to, a reason to live. Another question I have, one of the open questions, your books and the work you do, it refers a lot to leadership. You use that word a lot. Let me ask you an open question. How do you define true leadership? You know, uh, people, I have worked in the leadership space for more than 20 years. And um, I have found that when you're in the corporate world, uh, we run workshops on leadership and it's really important to be able to lead a company or to lead a team. So there's a, there's a lot of emphasis and training and coaching dedicated to, to people. When you step outside the corporate arena, is uh, people don't really understand um, what leadership is. That's why I produce a documentary that is accessible in YouTube called Make Me a Leader. Because the reality is we start, we have to start with ourselves first. We need to lead uh, our own lives. If we don't, if we are not proactive, um, if we are not uh, driven, if we, are, if we don't have this vision of ourselves and what we want to achieve, it's impossible to lead anyone else, not our children or our, you know, member, team members at work. So I find that when you think about your personal leadership uh, or you, when you help people to think about their personal leadership, um, uh, they discover a new world, a world where suddenly they think, oh, actually, I can influence other people around me. And it's important to be able to influence, to achieve a goal or to achieve your vision or to, or to help them achieve their vision. And uh, leadership is a set of skills that you can develop. Like you can learn to communicate properly. Uh, you can learn to be more disciplined or to manage your time more effectively uh, or to, um, you know, coach people and support them in their, in their endeavors. One of the, the nicest things about leadership is when you have helped someone else to become uh, a leader or to develop leadership skills, you have done your job as a leader. So leadership means different things. And when it doesn't work, we notice. Uh, the pandemic has been a great example to notice what the leaders of the world are doing right or not right. And uh, it is about overcoming your fears and it is about pushing forward because someone has to. That's a challenging one, the fears, right? Yes. Managing them. I love that message, too, because it resonates, makes a lot of sense to me. The foundation of a leader is leading oneself first. That's right. That makes sense. That idea of faking 
until you make it, it doesn't really work, right, Sylvia, in the case of leadership? Well, no one really knows what to do when it comes to leading um, a group of people, for example. And, and I know many clients that are have amazing technical skills and suddenly they are given a team of people to lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and their question in my executive coaching is, what do I do now? I have no idea. How do I become a leader suddenly? Um, and it's a, it's a very daunting task, uh, but, you know, it's all related to your confidence and your belief uh, that you can learn and develop the skills that you need. Um, wh- one of the things, going back to the topic of purpose, is that um, the purpose of life is actually not to be happy. <laughs> it's, it's not about being happy, you know, but it's more about being um, useful and compassionate and uh, and show the example that you have lived a worthwhile life, whatever, wherever you are and whatever you do. So the, the happiness is only a state of mind that obviously uh, the more the happier we are, the better we feel. But we know that life has ups and downs. So we, it's not a, a state where we can be 100 percent there. Um, sometimes our emotions will overwhelm us because we need to be sad or we need to be angry. And that's why they exist. So if we take them as data uh, rather than as, as the purpose of our life, um, uh, we are more practical about it. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love your wisdom. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's so true. The purpose not being happy or happy all the time. What about peace, being peaceful? Is that yeah. possible from your perspective, Sylvia? The, I remember um, I was having issues in my marriage um, uh, in the last within the last four, five years of the marriage, and I remember going to a personal development workshop, and uh, the lady, the facilitator, made us write, uh, "What do you want in, in this moment in time?" And I remember writing, "I want peace of mind." Um, and the peace of mind that I was seeking was related to having a better relationship, you know, not being part of disputes or, or you know, angry, ang- <laughs> angry behavior that my ex used to display, unfortunately. Um, and he had his own reasons and he had his own, you know, uh, uh, thinking about it, uh, but uh, that was actually killing me. So in that moment in time, I look for peace of mind. Something that I haven't uh, seek anymore. Like you know, obviously I must be peaceful, but you can divide your mind into being peaceful and not peaceful, happier, happy or not happier. And uh, if you, if there are if you are lacking some of these emotions that are so important for uh, healthy living, um, they then you can act on it. So it's very important, this concept to call interoception, which is going inside and reflecting and taking the time to yourself to to identify what are the predominant emotions on a day-to-day basis. And I think that people, instead of doing this today, are scrolling uh, in social media or are too busy uh, complaining or gossiping or watching news that are pretty negative rather than going inward and identifying um, what's going on for them. The question is, what is the difference between the mind and the brain? Okay. This is a very uh, interesting uh, topic that has been discussed (laughs) forever. Um, uh, One of the the definitions or the differences between both that I like the most is by an American psychiatric doctor called Dr. Daniel Siegel. And uh, he says, and you will will find, uh, you will make sense of this. The brain is actually the organ that sits inside our skull. We all have one. The more we know about it and you know the healthier we will be because we will understand the things that uh, suit the brain or don't suit the brain like if you drink a lot or if you drink every night or if you do drugs or if you smoke a lot um, your uh, the health of your brain will get affected the same thing if you sit all day and you don't get up and you don't do your walks or your stretches or your yoga so the the, the brain is a physical organ that is an amazing amazingly complex organ. Um, And then we have the mind. And in in his view, the mind is the interaction that exists between our brain and other people's brains or our brain and the environment. So between you and me, we are 
now in this conversation we are forming a mind, a mind that belongs to Valeria and Silvia. Um, if we went to walk in nature, our brain would connect to the rhythm of nature and uh, we would create, be creating another mind. Uh, or if we go to the office and uh, stress overtake us, our mind changes again. So the brain is like the antenna that captures, you know, the, the brain waves or the intention of other people or the environment. That's why it's so important to um, mix with the right people, uh, yeah. to have yeah. the right input in our life, uh, hopefully more positive than negative. Yes, but that makes a lot of sense too. Would you say that the mind then, what do you call this realm of the mind, would you also call it perception or experience, the realm of experiences? Well, as I said, if you are interacting with one person, the experience that you are creating is a different experience than if you interact with someone else. So that's why, uh, you know, when people say, uh, I want the ideal partner and I have made a list of the things I want, um, that to me is a very limited way of, um, you know, ex experiencing a potential relationship because you don't know how the other person is going to be. They, they could, you know, uh, tick all the boxes in your list, but the person is more than all the things in your list. The interaction that uh, that person may have with you will create the experience on its own. So, and we create mind. So if you want to define mind as the experience you are having with another human being or with an environment, yes, uh, we could say that. So you wrote the book. Again, the title is Brain-Friendly Leadership, The Nine Habits of a Future Fit Mind. You have written many books. This is one of them. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and intention of writing this book. Okay, so for the past uh, 10 years, um, the world of leadership has changed. And that's why I have a, a previous book called Leadership is Upside Down. Before, we used to say that leaders were those who are in a leadership position. That's the, the understanding that most people used to have, whether they run a company or they run a country. Um, but uh, today, we um, uh, these leaders have limited uh, bandwidth. There's the, the the world has changed so much, and it changes all the time. We call it a VUCA world, a world that is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So it's um, you, you you can't expect someone in a leadership position to take care of your career, your development. Leadership has to belong to each of us. Um, it doesn't mean you have to lead a team, but it means you have to lead yourself in the interaction you have with others. That's why I call it leadership is upside down, because if we all develop more self-awareness, if we learn to self-regulate, if we develop our leadership capacities, we are uh, more prepared or better prepared to deal with this VUCA world. And I wrote all of this before the pandemic <laughs> happened. So... I never predicted that this would happen, but it's even more useful, this concept that if I am at home and I have to take care of my children or teach them because they can't go to school or if I have to work from home, that requires a lot of gaps <laughs> uh, and a lot of self-regulation. It's not easy. Um, these last two years have been quite difficult for everybody. And um, you need to take ownership of your life. And when you think about um, the import, the, the, what we know from neuroscience now that we didn't know ten years ago, we the brain takes um, you know the protagonism because the brain uh, is something that we all have in common, and uh, the more we understand it the better our leadership will be. So we know that better brains create better leaders. And uh, this is a new concept. It's a concept that we didn't manage um, uh, years ago when I started in the field of leadership. But it's actually fascinating because many of the behaviors you see people displaying actually belong to, to a brain that is not working very well. 
Um, so because of the depression, I decided to explore this topic more and more, and I could see it uh, that it was a trend and a strong trend. And that put me in uh, this field of uh, neuroscience applied to leadership and organizations. And this book came about because uh, with my colleague in uh, Spain, Juan Carlos Cubeiro, uh, he's the author of uh, almost 50 books now. Um, we, uh, he's fascinated by this topic as well. And we thought, why don't we make some kind of book that uh, briefly explains to people the different things that they need to do if they want to have a, a, you know, a fit um, leadership or a future fit leadership and this is what came out. And so we have divided the habits, the nine habits, in habits of direction, habits of care, and habits of development. So I encourage you to buy the books. It's yeah. in English and in Spanish. You can get it in Amazon. And it explains in simple terms aspects of the brain that most people wouldn't know and how they relate to our day-to-day life. Yes, I'll be asking you a few more questions about the habits, not all of them. I won't disclose all of them. But for now, I wanted to mention that you are the founder of About My Brain Institute as well. Talk to me for a moment about that, Sylvia. What do you offer there? and how it works, the website okay. and the institute. So um, the institute was uh, designed to help leaders and coaches and consultants to learn more about neuroscience when it comes to leadership. Um, there are amazing neuroscientists around the world, like more than 30,000 people researching on various topics related to the brain. But this knowledge is usually um, designed to people who also understand science. My clients don't understand science, but they love to learn the basics of neuroscience applied to leadership so they can do their, their job better. So we are kind of the interface between the hardcore science and, uh, you know, uh, people who, professional people who go to work every day and who have to lead teams and who have challenges and who want to understand a bit better how the brain works. So some of the things we offer are uh, corporate programs um, ranging from, you know, uh, executive coaching, workshops, uh, keynotes, um, but also we have developed a system and a model called the iPhone Neuroleader model, which is basically teaching people how to develop the key components competencies that we believe are important in this era, which are performance, collaboration, innovation, and agility. So we have a 360 assessment, um, which means that you complete an assessment in regards to these competencies, and you can invite family, friends, peers, manager, colleague to complete their perception on you as well. So you're able to have a comparative point, and that helps people to understand themselves better. Another question that came to me is, um, I think it's a kind of fun question, could be, what are some of the most fascinating facts about the brain from your perspective? Okay, let me think. That's a very good question because there are so many uh, things. Uh, But a couple of neuroscience principles that um, I... I really keep repeating because they are quite uh, useful to know. For example, the brain doesn't know the difference between what it sees and what it remembers or what it can imagine. So if I ask you to close your eyes, for example, Valeria, um, uh, and I ask ask you to imagine um, what the future could look like in your next holidays, for example, or in your life, or if you were doing such and such uh, role, um, the brain will uh, create this image, um, particularly with your eyes closed, it helps uh, because you eliminate all the external stimuli. And um, you can actually notice if your uh, emotional state has changed. And you may describe, actually, the moment I close my eyes, I imagine myself being in, a, in an island uh, with my loved one and, you know, having a stroll on the beach. And uh, that has made me feel so happy. So that shows how fleeting our emotions are and how much we can manage them if we learn the power of the brain. 
that's number one. And number two that is coming to my mind is the brain, the, the neural connections, uh, the neurons uh, that uh, fire together, wire together. That's another principle, which means that if I want to develop the habit of um, exercising, for example, um, the more I do it, the more I repeat that pattern, the more I will get my neurons to connect, to fire and I youth have created a new habit. So that's the basis of changing patterns that are not serving you. Um, so we talked uh, before the, the, we started this conversation about time management. Oh, and, yeah, that's um, a good question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I always say that it's not about time management. It's about mind management. Perhaps you are putting lots of things, more than you can do, more than you can chew. So you need to revise your diary and be realistic about the time you have available. Because to take breaks between your meetings or to go for a walk or not eat at your desk, but uh, preserve, you know, a half an hour of proper lunchtime, those are things that should be in your diary as part of your self-care and uh, as part of having a better experience in life. So the moment we realize that time is controlling us and we are not controlling our time, um, something has to give. And that is what I call my management. You need to understand what your mind is doing. What, what is it that you want? Why are you putting so many things in your diary when you can't handle them? What is your mind telling you? Um, so, yeah. Of course, you know, if you don't know how to type, you want to go to a typing course so you can be faster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. But, you true. know, but it's, it's uh, <laughs> so there are certain skills we can learn to be faster, but the, the reality is um, you, we need to manage our mind from moment to moment in order to be more effective. What a great suggestion for myself. <laughs> yes. I love the way you said that. It's not about managing time, it's about managing your mind. You made me think now <laughs> even more about that. <laughs> okay. Another question, I have too many, is about the, in the book you mentioned that the brain has a limit. What is the limit of our brain? Well, the brain is made up of different parts. Uh, the most important part is the prefrontal. Well, it's not the most important, but the part that uh, rules our life basically is the prefrontal cortex sitting behind your forehead. And this part is our the executive function of the brain. It's like the CEO of your brain. Um, and uh, it, it has a capacity, a fin finite capacity of two hours. So after two hours, it gets exhausted. And it feeds thanks to glucose and oxygen. That's why you need to have your breathing exercises in place or go for a walk and breathe fresh air. Or perhaps, you know, have something that uh, can uh, push the glucose up. Um, not necessarily lollies, but something that <laughs> will give yes. you some glucose. <laughs> and um, so to refuel, like if you're having back-to-back -back meetings all day, for example, and you don't take a 10, 15 minute break between them to, to uh, you know, gather your thoughts, to, to take a deep breath and, and to reassess what is it that you're doing. Um, once again, you know, the, the time is your master rather than you being the master of your destiny. Um, so that, that changes when you think that I am in this life to leave a mark uh, because of who I am, but I'm not in this uh, life to just to do things. The mm. things are a consequence mm. of who you are yeah. and, uh, you know, it gives you purpose and it's, they are important, but they cannot be the pri uh, primary reason of your existence. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a spiritual message, Sylvia. <laughs> Very much spiritual. And one of the habits that caught my attention is habit number eight, which mm -hmm. it says spread intelligent optimism. What is yes. intelligent optimism? If, to, to make it simple, it's, um, you know, uh, sometimes people say, oh, you have to be positive, you have to be op optimistic, and you're having the, the worst time in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, the positivity or the optimism um, has to be um, what we call intelligent, which is a, a way to rescue the things that uh, you have around and that they are serving you. 
and uh, avoid the, the, the pessimistic um, people around you, particularly, which we also call toxic, um, which are in one of the other habits. Uh, because pessim- it's very easy to fall into pessimism or that nothing works. And uh, I can say that there has been moments in my life where everything, nothing worked. And I was like, okay, what? There must be a reason why there are so many blockages. So what can I learn from this, and how do I convert this into intelligent optimism? Um, you know, how can I use this information and these emotions that are being generated by all these circumstances? Um, and uh, how can I move forward? It's very easy, Valeria, to fall into despair when things don't go your way. You know, I have migrated countries and moved cities and have had people sick in my life and I have gone through failed relationships and I'm not that different from the majority of people. There are only a few people that I know where everything goes well for them. Um, It's it's quite amazing, Uh, but it's not the majority. So once you understand that you go through life and you will have all of these things happening to you, um, you can say, well, you know, I haven't died. (laughs) I am still going and there's always like at the end of the tunnel and this situation that I'm in will pass it's not forever and usually that's the case like nothing is forever (laughs) um yeah so we can we accept that uh we are uh we tend to be more optimistic because Mm -hmm. we go okay well what's next yeah (laughs) what lessons can we learn right Sylvia yes I love this idea of being open-minded and open to life open-hearted too because that brings this state of curiosity to illuminate all those negative experiences and thoughts I love the habit four to the title is relax your mind with mindfulness and sleep So the mindfulness piece, I know sleep is very important too, but I would love to hear from you. How do you practice mindfulness? Mm. Um, Well, this goes back to the concept of mind management. Um, You know that thinking about the past, uh, sometimes it gives people regret or pain or sadness And thinking about the future creates anxiety because you want things that you don't have now, which probably you don't need. (laughs) Um, So the only thing we have is our present. So if we are able to minimize the noise of the past or the future, we can focus on what we are doing now and actually enjoy the moment. Most people, because they want things that they don't have, they forget to enjoy what is uh, this current moment. And you can train your mind to go from moment to moment, um, focusing, if you're washing dishes, for example, notice the warm water in your hands or the cold water and actually, um, you know, allow this feeling or this sensation to be part of the current experience. That will give you more joy and more satisfaction than thinking about what is it that uh, you want to achieve next month or next year or in 10 years time. And, um, you know, I noticed this with relationships when people complain about, I don't have the ideal partner, or, you know, I wish my partner did this for me, or I wish my partner, when in reality, it's about us. What is it that I can do for my partner (laughs) to, you know, uh, to feel happier and more content? And if I notice that after 10 times of doing something for my partner, my partner doesn't do anything for me and, uh, you know, that creates suffering. Well, maybe it's important to think about, you know, your relationship. Maybe that's not some uh, relationship you should be having. And it happens the same with work. You know, people complain about the things that don't have at work or their boss or the toxic boss. Well, maybe it's time to move on. If you are mindful of that experience, then you can make a more proactive decision and change what's not working for you. But uh, what we do is we stay in the comfort of a relationship or a work or a job and um, we complain. 
and we are not enjoying, we are not <laughs> mindful, we are thinking about what the future and uh, or what it could be different. And um, that's not a very helpful state of mind. Mm, true. And they ended up becoming a habit, right, Sylvia? To that's complain. right. And we get attached exactly. to the habit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, you know, you yeah. go back to, if you don't have anything good to say, um, just don't say anything. And that includes the continuous complaining of the things that are not happening according to what uh, our mind is producing. We don't have to believe every thought we have. That's the thing. Uh, the mind produces thought all the time. We don't have to believe every thought. We can correct that deviation in thinking that sometimes mm -hmm. we have. Mm, oh, I love that message too, right? Not <laughs> believing anything that the mind yeah. suggests, right? Because it keeps That's doing right. it. It doesn't stop really. And I love the idea also has been a practice for me, which is a very challenging one for some people and has been for me too, to focus on the things that I want and not the things that I don't want. So yes. that has been uh, a game changer to, to practice yes. them. There is uh, this also misconception, in my humble opinion, that uh, we have to want things. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that, that uh, do, we, do we really need something or do we really want something? And then, you know, take a moment to assess what happens if you don't get it. What would be of your life? And is that want so important? And, you know, I, I understand that this may sound like uh, too Buddhist, <laughs> um, but because I am someone that is very driven and I always, you know, try to achieve things. But sometimes I think, well, do I really have to do this? You know, why am I doing this? And those questions are the ones that probably will um, highlight the importance of where you put your time. I want to mention before we end the conversation today, I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before yes. that, I love what you wrote in your book. You say, the human brain is nourished beyond oxygen and glucose with love, with a capital mm -hmm. L, I love with the way you say that too, love is a commitment, a connection with oneself and with other people, with society and the planet as a whole. Love overcomes fears, complaints, and boredom. Yes. <laughs> I love that message too. Well, you know, we talk about the needs, the physical needs of the brain, uh, oxygen and glucose, but I think we have forgotten how to love in this world. Like normally um, we are focusing what we want <laughs> um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a focus on self rather than a focus on society or on others. So if, if you fill yourself up with love about um, your environment, we would be taking more care of our planet. Um, if we were more generous and less selfish, um, we would be focusing on how my existence makes a difference in this world. And uh, that is love. Like love is not romantic, as you know, uh, because romantic love tends to be possessive rather than, um, you know, most people, as soon as they have someone, they say, oh, he's for me or, you know, she's for me, uh, she's mine. And, and uh, that's not true. We, are, we don't belong to anyone. Uh, we belong to ourselves. So if love starts with yourself, then you are more pleasurable to be around. <laughs> um, so I always say to managers who say, oh, I don't know what to say to this person. And I say, look, if a person comes to you and sits down and spends an hour talking with you, if they get up and leave and they feel better about themselves, it means you have achieved your task. Uh, if they feel desperate about being with you, obviously that's not love <laughs> that you're exuding. Right. Oh, wow. That's a good measurement yes, in a that's way. Right. Feelings. Yes. I, I love yeah. that passage, though. I mean, there's this thought about love. It's one of my values, I guess. Maybe not even a value, not a belief system. It's just what life is to me. It's unconditional yes. love. Yes. So the ending questions, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything else, Sylvia, that we didn't discuss today? No, well, there's so many to, <laughs> to discuss, so I let myself guided by you. That's good. <laughs> so my last questions, what is success for you today? What is to be successful to you? 
I I think that um, success is a feeling inside of having done the things you were supposed to do in this life. When I was younger, I wanted to get married, have a home, have a husband, have children. I have achieved that. But that ended. And uh, what didn't end is the love I have for my children, of course. Um, then I wanted to write books. I wanted to produce a documentary. I wanted to set up a company. Well, I've done that. Um, now with COVID, obviously, all of this, these things have, you know, got affected. We have to to, to become an online business, uh, which I'm still enjoying. But, you know, the, the face-to-face uh, was mainly my thing. And to see people's, you know, faces when you run a workshop and they're happy about, you know, what they're getting um, so th- things have shifted. And so in, in this phase, I'm, you know, uh, restructuring my life, discovering things I still want to do, doing them. And uh, I do more exercise. I walk in nature. I live in a beautiful place, um, in a beautiful town uh, in the north of uh, north of Sydney. Um, and um, it's, it's about, you know, enjoying every moment. Uh, I think that's success. Um, but I always say that I don't like to live with regret. I don't focus so much on success. I focus on regret. Like, if I want to do something and I don't do it, will I regret it in a year time or in five years time? And that is what helps me overcome any fears I have. I go and do it anyway. And uh, that to me, <laughs> that to me is, um, it leaves me with peace of mind and um, it, it, it makes me happy. That That's how the things that make me happy. Even if they take a, if they are risky, I do them anyway. Like, mm. you know, making a documentary was a risky venture. And, you know, I yeah. went around the world. I learned a lot. I took it as a learning experience, mm. even when I didn't know how it was going to turn up. So, right. yes, that's success to me. That's beautiful, Sylvie. It sounds like um, living from the heart, being true to yourself and have the courage to do that. That's not easy for most of us. I really admire you for that. Thank you for that message (laughs) too and that reminder (laughs) that we can do that, overcome fear. Yeah. What is to be free? What's freedom to you? Is that the similar to the what success is to yeah. you? Or uh, I think different? it's, um, you know, freedom is not necessarily the conditions that you're living. Like, you know, when you read the book uh, by Nelson Mandela when he was 27 years in prison, like he, that wasn't freedom <laughs> for, you know, to anyone. But he ha- he found um, a certain level of freedom even in, in jail because he went inward and as we were discussing before, um, nobody can take that internal freedom. So if you make your freedom dependent on the circumstances or on what uh, relationship you have or what you know your surroundings are, um, when things change, you will feel trapped. And uh, that is not freedom. So the freedom is to work, to cultivate your mind uh, to a level where no matter what the circumstances are, you can look out the window and feel that that is freedom. <laughs> the possibility of just sitting there and I, I, I will bring my mother, who is 92, um, who says, if, if you feel you are bored, just sit next to the window and look out you will find entertainment in that. And it's so true. And she lives alone, you know, uh, and she finds pleasure in small little things. And so that's why it has to do a lot with how your mind develops and evolves. Yeah, so true. Uh, It goes back to the habits we have. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So my last question is, what are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? I think that um, even though I refer to my period of depression as a a, a time that I don't wish to anyone, I think that actually it was very useful to me to come up with this, to go through that and to have this vision of life now. Um, And um, if there are things you want to do, do them. Don't wait. You know, uh, figure out a way to do the things you want to do because life is short and you don't know when it's going to finish. Uh, yeah. or, or life can be long 
if you're not enjoying it. <laughs> so true. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, anything bad that we, we think that happens to us has a message in itself. So accept it, explore it, and uh, take the best of that experience because that gives you wisdom. That gives you new insights and new learning. And uh, explore the things you want to do, do them, learn continuously, which is another one of the nine habits. We can't stop learning because uh, our brain uh, rottens, basically. Uh, we need to learn simply because we need to reach to an older age with the best brain we can have. Um, it all lives in the brain, really. It's, uh, the, the mo if my children ask me, what can I do, mom? Take care of your brain. That's my recommendation nowadays. Um, I said, have a healthy brain, eat properly, sleep the hours you need to sleep, avoid things that tempt you and develop a, a self-discipline in order to go through life in the best possible way. Thank you so much, Sylvia, again <laughs> and welcome. again for your wisdom, <laughs> for your beautiful presence, very clear. I love that. And the sense of inner peace that you pass on to us. It's very beautiful. It's very intelligent and it's very peaceful at the same time, knowledgeable and peaceful. Thank you. Thank you to you, Valeria, for this time. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, well, if you Google Silvia Damiano in Amazon, you can find some of my books. I have a couple of poetry books because I think poetry is really good for your brain. <laughs> so when it's about love, one of them. And uh, my website is uh, aboutmybrain.com. So if you're a coach or a consultant and you want to get certified in our methodology, the I4 methodology, you can find all the information there. And, you know, I'm always available for keynotes and, and you know, corporate work. So wow. thank you so much for the opportunity. And I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you again, thank you. Sylvia. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sylvia Damiano and her work, please visit aboutmybrain.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>